Thanks for listening to a YPC podcast. We believe God wants to do so much for you and through you, and we'd love to hear about it. Take a second to send your story to office at ypcprior.com and enjoy the message today. Hey, hey. Well, good morning, Your Place Church. How's everyone doing today? Glad to be in church. You guys look good. For what I can see, the lights are really bright in this, uh, in this new setup. So I see, like, images of people out there, but that's good. Welcome to everybody online. I'm glad you guys have joined us today. We're super excited. I'm actually starting a brand new series today. If you're, if you're watching online uh, and you've been here before, the entire auditorium has flipped. So if you remember the loading dock, so the, the stage is now over by the loading docks, and we're looking towards the brand new lobby now. If you've, uh, if you've not been to your place church in person in a few weeks, we encourage you. Next week is Father's Day. Is that right? Next week's Father's Day? What a better time to worship with us in person. We've got plenty of room now. So uh, we encourage you to join us um, next week in person if you can. If not, that's why we have these great um, online experiences. Isn't this great, guys? I mean, it's, you kind of get a sense that something's going on. And I know people are like, well, weren't we out of church for like five weeks and just doing online services? Why wasn't we doing the auditorium then? That's a great question. That's ex- it's exactly what, uh, what I'm asking myself. But anyway, we knew, um, honestly, the answer to the question is there's just an urgency about your place church right now. There's an urgency We've got a lot of feedback from our online services where people are actually excited to come and worship. They want to be a part of this. And so we know that um, in July, actually, our our attendance has a tendency to swell anyway. And then you take the fact that everything in our world is kind of like whatever it is. People are looking for hope, and they're looking for help, and they're looking for healing. And so we anticipate large volumes of people coming in over the next few weeks and in the next few months. So this was the right time to do it. Plus, in America, a 12-passenger van holds about eight people. Have you thought about that? I mean, a 12-passenger van holds about eight people. That same van in Botswana holds 25 people. You know what I mean? So in America, people just like a little bit of space. They like to stretch out. I mean, when you go to a movie, you kind of want to put a little buffer zone between you and the other family that's watching the movie with you. And uh, that's just what we know. So we can almost double our seating capacity in this format. So we're super, super excited to see it. Again, if you can help, we, we, we're doing it ourselves. Um, and so if you can help, uh, let us know, and uh, we'll put you to work. Amen. I'm going to start a brand new series this week. <clears throat> this is a series that I feel like the Lord has prompted me to do. Um, you should probably know something about Pastor Darian. I'm a teacher. Taylor and some of the other ones that come up here, man, they can preach fire. You know what I mean? I'm a teacher, and I've, I've just... I'm resolved in who I am, and I know that that's what God's called me to do, and I want to teach you some things today. Has anybody ever had, when you were growing up, did you ever have the magic eight ball? You know what, you know what that is, the magic eight ball? It was this, it was a kid's play thing, right? And it was this sphere, plastic sphere filled with liquid and had this little, this little triangle dice rolling around inside there, and you could, you could whisper questions to it, right? And then you'd shake it up, and then you'd turn it over and see what the answer was, right? It's like this little fortune teller. Does she like me? Not a chance. Okay, so anyway, it's like, 
it was, it was a kid's play toy. It had 20 different responses. Ten of them were positive, five of them were negative, and five of them were indifferent. And again, as we look at it, it's sold by Mattel. Like, that's who makes toys, board games, right? We think it's a toy. It actually has its roots way back in the day. It was actually known as the Psycho Seer and was originally to be believed to be controlled by spirits. So the original version of that thing, um, there was some kind of weirdness going on with it. What is the fascination with with fortune telling? What is the fascination with wishing that you knew the answers of things that were unseen? We all have that, don't we? It's like, man, I wish I could know the future. I don't know about you, but I don't think I would be consulting the magic eight ball on which stocks to invest in right now, right? Should I invest in this stock? Uh, don't know. Great. That's where we all are, right? But here's the point. What if I told you that you actually do have access to things unseen? You do have access to things in your future, and the Word of God, the, the Holy Word of God, has a lot to say about it. And again, I know there's a lot of, there's a lot of people out there that that is trying to challenge the validity of the Word of God. Listen, it is still the bestseller book of all time, and it has survived generation after generation after generation. The Bible says heaven and earth will pass away, but my Word will never pass away. So there's a lot to learn from the Word of God, and we want to look into the Word of God, and I want to spend the next several weeks talking about how you and I can be led by the Spirit of God. We can be led by the Spirit of God. And trust me, in a world that we live in today, we need the voice of the Lord giving us some direction. Amen, everyone? Let's pray. Father, we love you. And once again, Father God, we just, we just, we pause our life, we pause our agenda, and we focus on you today. We focus on your word. Father, we know it, it, is, it is crazy, crazy, crazy in this world that we live in. And Lord, we know that we're not, we're not of this world. We're only, we're only passing through this world. We belong to the kingdom of heaven. We belong to your family. So Father, we, wanna, we want to look into your word and see some things, Father God. Some of us, we may know this. Others of us, this will be the very first time we've ever heard anything like this. So wherever we are, Father, locate us and help this message apply to every single person in the room. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd invite you, before I get into the meat of my message today, to, to open your mobile device or if you brought a Bible, find 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 2. Obviously, the screens aren't up yet. You guys watching at home, they may be putting verses up on the screen. They may not. We're, we're, there's, we unplugged everything last week, and so we're like, where does this go? You know, we're just plugging stuff back in, trying to figure it out, uh, but we'll get to it. These guys are great. Uh, the volunteers of Your Place Church, come on, let's give it up for them. They did a great job. Love you guys. Second <clears throat> Timothy chapter 3, verse 2. The Bible says, but mark this. In other words, pay attention. Pay attention. Mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. 
we don't like this scripture. We don't want to talk about this scripture. We don't want this scripture to be true. But yet here it is, surviving generation after generation. Right before Jesus comes back, the Bible says there will be terrible times in the last days. People, the general population of the world, will be lovers of themselves. Lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, the scripture says. Disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, the scripture says. Unforgiving, we're seeing that a little bit, aren't we? Slanderous, <clears throat> without self-control, brutal, <clears throat> excuse me, not lovers of the good, treacherous. The writer of Timothy is, is giving us a, a snippet or a look into the times that you and I are living in. Rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. A form of godliness. A form of something that we should stand on. A form of something that I've built my life on. A belief. A form of godliness, but denying, <clears throat> excuse me, its power. Have nothing to do with such people, the scripture says. They are the kind who worm their way into homes and gain control over gullible women. Who are loaded down with sins and swayed by all kinds of evil desires. And then I thought this was interesting. Always learning but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. <clears throat> they're always learning, but they're, they're never able to come to the knowledge of the truth, the Bible says. The truth. Make no mistake about it, friends. We are living in the last times. Now, the scripture says when you hear about famines, when you hear about wars and rumors of wars and crazy stuff going on in the world, the scripture is very clear. These are the beginnings, the beginnings of birth pains. In other words, just because you see what's going on in the world right now, like Jesus may not come back today, he may, but make no mistake about it, like this something's going on. And so the scripture looked down through the expanse of eternity and saw our generations and recognized, well, how do we navigate these times? How do we navigate through them? I mean, there's a piece of us that just wants to grab our family, go to the mountains, build a little cabin, grow our own food, and just protect our family, right? The world can go to hell in a handbasket. I'm staying here, right? There's a piece of us that just wants to do that. We just want to protect our family. But that's not what we're called to do. We're actually called to bring hope and healing to a generation. 
Well, how do we do that? We need to learn how to be led by the Spirit of, of God. We need to hear His voice. We need to, we need to follow promptings and urgence, or urgencies and, and, and um, leadings that the Spirit of the Lord wants to speak to us. And there are different philosophies out there on how God will speak to us. For instance, there are people who say something along the lines of, God, if this is your will, then let this happen. And, and if this doesn't happen, then I know it's not your will. Well, where are they getting that frame of thinking? Where are they getting that, that, that thought process? It comes from the Old Testament. And it's, and it's called a fleece. And this is actually not the primary way that God speaks to his people in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, you got to understand, I told you I'm going to teach you a little bit today. In the Old Testament, they didn't have the Holy Spirit living inside of them. Remember when Jesus died on the cross? He cried with a loud voice. He gave up the ghost, right? He gave up his spirit. He died. And at that time, the temple, there was a curtain the curtain in the temple that separated the presence of God from the priest and from the rest of the world, the Bible says, was ripped. And at that time, the Spirit of God flew, flowed, 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 left the temple and, and dwelt among us. And then, of course, on the day of Pentecost, which we shared about during last Wednesday, the Holy Spirit filled all the believers. And so now... The Holy Spirit actually lives inside of us. And so when we say things like, Lord, let three red cars pass in front of my house if this is your plan or will, that's not the way he moves in the New Testament. You understand that, right, friends? See, there was things in the Old Testament that the cross changed. Now, if the cross didn't change it, it stands, for example, animal sacrifices to cover sins was an Old Testament ritual. But when Jesus gave his life on the cross, his blood didn't just cover our sins, it washed them away. We no longer have to do animal sacrifices because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Aren't you thankful? Amen? Well, how God leads his people changed at the cross. And when the Holy Spirit fell on the day of Pentecost, now we begin to see how God is moving. The, the, the phrase, God, if you want me to do this, then insert your if-then statement here, actually is known as a fleece. You hear fleece, you think of a fleece jacket, you think of a lining, some kind of a deep-knitted wool or cotton. That's true. That's what that is. Fleece is a, it's a... Um, well, back in the Bible days, it was just made out of wool, sheep's wool, right? And the term fleece comes from a story in Judges chapter 6. This is the time <clears throat> when Gideon was this unlikely leader of one of the tribes of Israel and was faced with this decision to fight for the people, and God asked him to do something about it. So because Gideon wanted to know that it was the Lord, he's like, God, if it's your will, then, and we read about it, Judges chapter 6, verse 36. Gideon said to God, if you will save Israel by my hand as you have promised, look, I will place a wool fleece on the threshing floor. Now, the threshing floor 
This was an agrarian society. This is where they threshed out the wheat, ground it up, right? Threshed, got all the stuff out of it. This is where he worked. And so there was nothing necessarily significant about where he was placing the fleece. But he's got this piece of sheep's wool. And he's like, God, if you want me to do this, right, I'm going to lay this piece of wool right here on the ground. And he goes on to say, um, if there's dew only on the fleece and the ground is dry, then I know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you said. The fact that he told him to do it should be good enough, right? But yet he's like, God, I need you to confirm your word some way, somehow. I need you. I need more than just this, this whatever that's going on. Um, I need you to prove yourself, right? And so he, he puts this fleece down, verse 38, and that's what happened. Gideon rose early the next day. He squeezed the fleece and wrung out the dew a bowl full of water. That's a lot of dew. It wasn't just damp to the touch. Like, he wrung it out. Then Gideon said to God, <laughs> okay, 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 okay. Don't be angry, Lord, right? But let me make just one more request. Allow me one more test. So he's testing the Lord here with the fleece. But this time, make the fleece dry and let the ground be covered with dew. You, you kind of get this thought that he's trying to get out of this, don't you? He's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something crazy here, right? Verse 40, that night God did so. Only the fleece was dry and all the ground was covered with dew. Can you imagine to know with absolute uncertainty the will of God just by whether or not this piece of wool is covered in water or not? We would be like, where do I get my magic piece of fleece, right? Like, that's all I have to do? This is awesome. No. It's, it's the magic eight ball all over again. What happened at the cross actually one-ups that because the Spirit of God now lives inside of you. Romans chapter 8, verse 14 says it this way. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Not led by a magic eight ball. Not led by a fleece. Not led by their feelings, opportunities, emotions. Are you with me, friends? The children of God are led by the Spirit of God. Now, that word led, we could say directed by, um, encouraged by, informed by. Whatever you need in this moment, the Spirit of God is the one who will give that to you. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Why is this better? Because the enemy of your soul lives in the world. He, in fact, this world has been given to the enemy of your soul, the devil. And so when you say things like, let four red cars pass in front of my house if I know this is your plan, the devil can make that happen. So what you're saying is, 
You're determining the will and plan of God in your life by things that are happening externally, which the devil also has control over. Now, here's something you need to know about the enemy. He cannot take you down. The devil cannot take you down. So what he has to do is he, have, he has to lead you into paths where he has a trap set for you. And for those of us who are led by our thoughts, our emotions, feelings, or what's going on in the world, we'll follow him right into the trap that's been prepared for us. So this is why it's super important as men and women of God to know, hear, understand, and follow the voice of God that lives on the inside of us. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Now, it's not talking about this blood pump organ in your chest that's moving blood through your body. The heart is considered the inmost part of a human being. The scripture refers to the heart, but it's actually talking about the real you. The Holy Spirit speaks to your spirit on the inside of you. When you die, your body may fall to the ground, but you do not cease to exist. The real you will leap out of your body and will either ascend to heaven or descend to hell. Good news. Everybody gets to live forever. You just get to choose where. Right? And so when the scripture says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, he's talking about your spirit, not your head. In fact, the Spirit of the Lord doesn't move or speak to your head, your thought, your emotions. He speaks to the real you. Then it goes on to say, lean not on your own understanding, your own thoughts, feelings, emotions. Why? Because they will mislead you. Your emotions will mislead you. Your thoughts, especially if they're not being filtered through the Word of God, will mislead you. And the Scripture's pointing to it. Hey, 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 listen. Trust the Lord. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding. Verse 6 says, in all your ways, submit to Him, and He'll make your paths straight. You cannot trust the Lord with your head. You have to trust God with your heart. Don't lean on to what's going on in the world. Don't lean on what's going on in your news feed. Don't lean on the way you feel, because right now, feelings and emotions and thoughts, those are pretty strong. And if you lean on that, you're going to make decisions that are not spirit-led. And if we're going to navigate the times that we're going through, friends, we have to be people who are spirit-led. Romans, back to Romans chapter 8, verse 14. You'll, tell, you'll see me reference these two scriptures through most of this series. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Verse 15. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. See, there was a time when you lived by what you thought. 
You lived by your emotions. You were moved by fear. But when you found Jesus, you came out of some of those things. Then you have this experience with the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. You came out of that. But there are still people who are putting fleeces out there, flipping coins, asking other people, what should I do, right? And listen, there's nothing wrong with getting some advice, but that is not the voice of God. People, if they're not led by the Spirit of God, even people, good, well-meaning people can lead you off because they're being driven by their thoughts, emotions, thinking. Are you with me? So this is why we've got to learn for ourselves what the Holy Spirit sounds like and how he leads us. Because if it doesn't, if, if you're trusting things out here to happen, you're basing God's will for your life on things out here, not something in here. Being led by God will bring freedom to you. Being led by your fears will allow you to make wrong decisions. Fear will limit you. Fear is an emotion, and it's a strong emotion. We have seen over the past several weeks how fear, in whatever way you want to call it, has shut down a country. And you can call it what you want. Call it being smart. Yeah. Call it being cautious or proactive. Whatever you want to call it. It's rooted in fear. It's rooted in fear. And when you're fearful, you're full of fear. And again, we, we know, the Bible talks about how we're going to walk through crazy seasons. But you don't have to be fearful. You can be faithful or full of faith. Does this make sense, friends? This is a big deal if you've spent the last 30 years of your life in making your decisions based upon how you feel or how you think or your emotions. It, it takes you some practice to not trust those, but to trust the voice of God on the inside of you. See, fear wants, you, wants to scream louder than your faith. Fear wants to lead you. Fear wants to drive you, to bind you up, to trap you, to enslave you. Which is why verse 15 says, The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Is this okay? I just want to help you. It's either the word of God or it isn't. It's either true or it isn't. And we have based our entire existence and hope for eternity on the fact that this word is true. And if it's true, and it is, then it's all true. None of it is done away with. The Old Testament and the New Testament, there's better promises, but it's all outlined in the word of God. You can see it. The New Testament says the New Testament is built on better covenant, better promises. You see in the Bible where the Bible began, and it, beca and it became even greater. It became better for us because of Jesus. 
Let's go back to Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Verse 6 says this. In all your ways, submit to him, and he'll make your paths straight. Friends, don't imagine a scenario where you can trust yourself. Well, I can handle this. I don't really need to consult God. See, that's what we do. We, we, we only take to God the big things, things that I have no control over. But yet the Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, right? In all your ways, submit to him. One translation says, acknowledge him in everything you do. So many of us, we don't even give God a chance to lead us in most of the areas of our lives. It's only when something becomes too big for us, something's over our head, that's when we trust God. I'll give you some examples. Um, if you've worshipped with us for any length of time, you've heard me talk about different stories in my own life. I tell you stories about me because this is where God's worked in my life. And so I want to I give you real-time examples. There was a season when I had a desire, felt like God called me to full-time ministry. Like, this is my calling. This is what I get to enjoy right now. I'm right smack dab in the middle of God's will for my life. But there was a season when I wasn't in ministry. I, was, I, I had exited one place. I was a volunteer at a church. If you're in Compass later, you'll hear bits and pieces of this story. Um, but I was not in ministry. I was in real estate. That's what I was in. And I was doing great at it, like the Lord had blessed me. We were living in one kind of house, but I was selling houses that were three and four times nicer than the house Tyre and I were living in. And, and this was great. And, and because I was so young, because I was so innovative, I really felt like it was the blessing of the Lord in my life. The broker who I was working for called me into his office, and uh, he says, we want to give you the entire Broken Arrow office. Now, this is in the late 90s, and at that time, Broken Arrow was the hubbub of Oklahoma. It was the fastest growing area, and it was, it was probably one of the wealthiest areas, Broken Arrow. And he says, I want to give you the Broken Arrow office. And what I'm going to do to sweeten the deal is I'm going to let you have a percentage off of the sales of every agent in the office. That's going to be a lot of money. And then I'm going to give you a salary because, you know, you're going to have some responsibilities to manage the office. So you're not going to be doing as much work. So we're going to pay you a salary. Plus, you can still do your own work, which I was killing it doing my own work, right? To most people, this is a no-brainer. You know what I mean? I mean, what an opportunity. But we're not led by opportunities. If you're led by an opportunity, that's an external situation, and it can, it can lead you astray. We're led by the inward witness, that inward unction, the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. So I knew enough about God to pray about this. And the more I prayed about it, the more I just felt that, no, don't do this. This is a great opportunity, but it's not what you're supposed to do. 
And in my mind's eye, I didn't see a, a scenario where I would be making that kind of money ever. If I would have taken that job, undoubtedly, I would be a real estate mogul by now. But I would not be your pastor. All the way back in my 20s, God saw today. Are you with me, friends? And I made a decision back in my 20s based upon one thing and one thing only, the leading of the Spirit of God. There was another time, Tyra and I were starting to have children now. We're driving a dump of a car. And we saw that one of the car lots in the Tulsa Metro was having one of those everything must go sales, right? And so we just like, hey, I mean, it doesn't hurt to look, right? And so we drive onto the car lot and we see this beautiful, beautiful four-door sedan. And of course, here comes the salesman. And if you're in car sales, this is in no way to slam you at all. But he comes walking out. What's it going to take to get you to drive home with that? And, of course, I'm like, I don't even know if we can. We don't have the money for it, I'll tell you that. And I don't think we can get finance for it. He's like, well, let's just take it for a drive anyway. Hey, I'm all for driving a brand-new car. He goes and gets the keys. We start it up. We drive it around. All four windows go up and down. It's the most amazing thing. Like, you push the button, and they just go down. And then you pull up on the button and let go, and it comes up on its own. I'm like, oh. The truck I was driving at the time, I did this. You know what I mean? And sometimes I had to get it back on track to push out on it. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and that's back when climate control, like there were zones, were starting to come out. So if she's colder or, and, and, I wanna, and I'm warmer, I, we can adjust it and I can make her warmer and me colder. I'm like, wow. Before Bluetooth, now, like, Bluetooth is super cool. I mean, the car drives itself these days. But this was awesome. And he's like, hey, why don't you guys take it home for the weekend? It's a catch. I'm telling you, it's a catch. Take it home for the weekend. And I'm like, I mean, okay. And he's like, let's do some paperwork first. So that way, you know, if everything shakes out and you love it, you don't have to bring the car back. Well, this is where I'm like, all right, this is where they're going to get me. And so we go in and we do the paperwork. I'm convinced there's no way they're going to let me have the car. They do. I don't know what the interest rate is, but they let me have the car. And I say this to the salesman as I'm signing the last little dotted line. I said, if there's something happens and Monday comes around and my credit union says no to this, I can bring this back, right? Oh, absolutely, Mr. Raines. You can bring it right back. Okay. I sign it. He chuckles, throws me the keys. My little bride and I are off in our brand new, shiny, climate control, all four windows go up and down car. And we no more pull out of the parking lot, and there it is. There it is. See, I didn't ask. I didn't check my nowhere before we made the deal. Why? Because my emotions, my feelings wanted the car. I didn't check my nowhere. And so as I'm pulling away and we're driving, I'm like, isn't this great? And she's like, uh-huh. And we, I, I knew. And at that moment, we both felt this isn't right. And it's nothing wrong with the car. It's not like the Lord was saying, that car is going to break down in two years. No, the deal wasn't right for us. 
something. God, who could look down in our future, said, this is a wrong decision. So we took the car home, drove a tank of gas through it. Monday morning, we both agreed, this is not right. So we get in the car, we drive it back to the dealership. The, the salesman's off that day. Oh, he's not here. He's not here. So I talked to the sales manager. And I said, hey, listen, he said that if this didn't work out, I could bring it back. Who said that? I gave him the salesman name. He yells across the, uh, the showroom floor, hey, call Frank. Tell him not to come back to work. Fires him on the spot. Trying to guilt me, right? And I'm like, sorry. And I walk out. <laughs> but here's the deal. I walked out of that deal and back into the perfect plan of God in my life. Does this make sense, friends? I'll tell you something I'm working on right now. See, we never, we, we never arrive. We grow a lot if we keep pursuing. And so there's so much more. No matter where you are, we're all at different stages in our walk. And wherever you are right now, God wants to show you about that season in that place right now. Probably two years ago, we have multiple streams of income. I've taught our church how to do this. Get multiple streams of income. Find out what your gifting is, what your calling is, and figure out, ask the Lord how you can be blessed in that area. And one of these things that we like to do and feel like it's a calling in our life is we coach other churches, other pastors, which is one of the reasons why we're starting this school in August. We feel a calling to help build ministers. It's a calling. It's why we're making improvements. It's why we're doing what we're doing. It's a calling on our life. Well, I'm involved in a coaching company that's helping people all over the world. And I feel an unction. I don't mean I heard an audible voice. There was not a Darian quit. It didn't happen that way. It was an unction. It was a prompting. It was something on the inside. Not here, down here. Two years ago, you should step out. There's no reason to step out. This thing is scaling. Like, this thing is getting ready to go international, and they're building it with me in the middle of it. I'm one of the primary voices that is building this thing. And quite honestly, it was a very lucrative opportunity. Plus, I'm helping people. Two years ago, the Lord says, you need to step out. I didn't do it. Listen, we're all at different stages in our journey. Amen. We're all growing. I didn't want to. And then last year, I heard this. What started out as, you need to step out. I heard, get out now. See, he's gracious. He's gracious. Uh, you need to step out. What is he looking for? Okay. But then what happens is, is if you keep hitting that override button, it'll get to this season in your life where God's like, get out now or else. And the or else isn't his discipline or punishment. Or something, something's connected to the decision. Get out now. I got out. Last October was my last event with them. And we all cried, and it was sad, and they don't know why, and I don't know why. I have nothing I'm going to, and yet it's a calling in my life. The minute I make the decision, I do my last event with them. The very next week, I'm sitting in a different conference-type scenario, and the Lord speaks to me, and He presents an opportunity. Now, 
before that week, I had had headhunters from other coaching companies calling me. They found out I'm on the market. Hey, I heard you're not coaching anymore with, with this organization. You want to come coach with us? We'll pay you right now. There's a signing bonus. Like, we'll, we'll give you money right now. Most people would see the opportunity and walk through that door. I said, let me pray about that. And every single one of them that reached out to me, I heard, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. And what's sad, I didn't say this last service, so this applies to someone in here or someone watching. Some people depend on God's mercy and do it anyway. They'll make a step saying, well, if this is the wrong step, God's for he'll forgive me. Why do we want to live our lives that way? Let's make the right step right in the beginning. And so I said no to all of them. And then all of a sudden, I'm sitting in this conference, and the Lord drops it in my heart. This is what you're going to do. And now I'm working with an organization with no guarantee of any kind of compensation whatsoever. We're building something from the ground up that's going to help a lot of pastors and nonprofits and business leaders all over the world. And I have no hope of income from it. But guess what? It's right. I'm saying in here. Not up here, in here, it's right. Don't mean I heard an audible voice. It's in here. Are you with me? Opportunities are not what lead us. Open doors does not mean it's the will of God for your life. Closed doors don't mean it's not. I'm presently, today, on Sunday morning, June the 14th, standing in front of a door that God told me to go through. I know that I know that I know that I know God said go through that door. And I'm like, door, I'm like, Lord, that door's closed. He's like, I know. You're going through that door. That door's closed and locked, like deadbolted locked and it's got an alarm, and there's a security guy out front of it with his hand on a gun. You know what I mean? I'm like, God, I don't see how I'm getting through this door. And he's like, you're going through that door. So I'm currently, today, standing here looking at this door, waiting for it to open. Does this make sense? See how this will help you? We can learn the voice of God. We're going to teach you how to do it. So you need to come back for this series because this is one of those series that will change your lives forever. A lot of people are like, I, I don't know if I can hear God's voice. His voice sounds like his word. The more you're in his word, the more you'll understand his voice. And so many people at that moment, they hear that and they're like, I'm out. What? Why? Because you got to read the Bible? I just don't understand it. Because you don't have the Spirit of God showing you things. You, you approach the Word. Every time I read the Word, I'll pause before I read it, and I say, Holy Spirit, show me things I've never seen before. And I approach the Word that way. The holy, living Word of God, I'll approach the Word that way. And every single time, the Lord will show me things. The Bible says this in John chapter 10. 
my sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. Not their emotions, not their thoughts, not opportunities, not things happening out here. Everything right here. Amen? This is what I would like you to do. Write down your questions. Write down areas that you need clarity on. Write down areas that you would like the voice of the Lord to speak to. And then what we're going to do, I want you to navigate through this next few weeks here with us with those questions in mind. And, and how the Spirit of God is dealing with you. And then on last Wednesday of this month, we're going to create a moment where the Spirit of God's going to come flowing into this room. Not going to be something like, I'm not, you may not feel the walls shake, the foundation move, you may not see a flash of light, but you will hear the voice of God if you come looking for His voice. And He'll speak to you here, not here. Don't come with if-then statements. Come with, Lord, I just want to hear your voice. And on last Wednesday, we're going to create a moment where the Spirit of the Lord is going to move. He's already given us direction in that area because we're Spirit-led. Amen. Make a decision today. I'm going to live my life as a Spirit-led believer, not one that's just led by my thoughts or emotions. I'm about to preach a whole other message, so we better go. Father, we love you. We thank you for the opportunity, God, to be led by your Spirit. Father, this is not fairy tale. It's not hocus pocus. Father, it's all through your word. All throughout history, we see examples of where you led your people. And Father, we know that you're not a respecter of persons. If you did it for one, you'll do it for all. And it's not something that we have to labor to get. Father, the voice, your voice is always speaking. We've just not trained our spiritual ear to hear it. That's what we want to do during this series, Father. Teach us what your voice sounds like. So as we walk through an environment on our planet that's volatile, that we're asking ourselves so many questions of why people are doing and acting the way they are. As far as us, we hear your voice. We're not moved by what's going on around us because you give perfect peace. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. You have been listening to a YPC podcast. Visit our website at ypcprior.com to hear more.